Hey everyone, welcome to the Maker Mistaker podcast. My name is Jeff Finley and I'm I'm pretty excited about this episode of the podcast because this is actually a reboot of the podcast. And in the past month or so since my last episode, I've had some fresh ideas that I think are going to change the podcast for the better. Why do I consider this a reboot of the podcast? So this is technically my third episode. I've had two more before this. So this is a fresh start for me. Um, The first big change is I plan to do it in seasons. So this is going to be season one of the podcast. I'm going to do 10 episodes and then take a break. And then if by chance we get renewed or picked up for a second season, you know, my decision, then it's going to, then we'll do another season. So, but the second thing, the most important thing is I've got a new co-host. His name is George Coghill. Say hello, George. Hello. And welcome to the show, man. Yeah, I'm, uh, uh, this has been something in the back of my head, so I'm glad that you, uh, you made the suggestion and uh, invited me. I'm, uh, I think it's going to be cool. Yeah, we had that. We had a hiking um, trip, or not a, really a trip. We met up to hike on some local trails here in Cleveland. And, I mean, well, we were gone for five, six hours, and we were pretty much talking nonstop about, you know, all sorts of subjects ranging from, you know, meditation to astral projection <laughs> yeah, I think we touched on every topic and uh, <laughs> any branching topic from there. I think we, we touched on it at least a little bit. Yeah, pretty much. So, so who's George? I mean, George, he's a friend of mine, mostly an internet friend, but we've met in person a few times. Like I mentioned at the at the hike we did a couple weeks ago, he's a pretty talented illustrator, and he's made his mark doing cartooning for the past couple years. Um, and uh, he's actually been working for himself, freelancing for over a decade is that right george yeah so but the thing about george is there's a whole lot more to him than just his art um he's been on the personal development kick for a few years now and he blogs about his journey over at georgecoghill.wordpress.com he calls himself the overthinker and i think that's a a proper co-host because while i also like to think a lot i'm also kind of a the idealist a dreamer someone who's kind of got a you know I'll see the unseen and and uh, and I'll feel like I believe it or I know it or whatever. And uh, George, when we had our talks on the hike, I mean, it was awesome because he was curious and interested in all of these subjects, like especially when we got into lucid dreaming and out-of-body experiences. He was really interested in it, but he wanted to experience it for himself. He, he, he wasn't going to buy it, basically, from somebody else's perspective. And that's what I liked about him. He he was able to ground the conversation back down into practical, like earthly, real world sort of like, okay, well, how do you have an out of body experience? What do you do? You know, okay, so that we'll get into we'll get into that. So I think it's going to be a good balance between us. And um, and since his blog, the Overthinker, he blogs about his personal development journey, um, where he's, you know, we'll talk about what he's reading. Well, what, George, why don't you just go ahead and intro just real quick? What is the Overthinker? What's your blog all about? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, that blog I started because I get frustrated. Um, you know, like you said, I've been doing the art thing for a while, and, and, and I use the Internet a lot to do marketing and promotion like anybody else these days. And I just, you know, there's a lot of things that were that I wanted to, I don't know, just get out of my brain basically, but, you know, also to share and maybe, you know, and I think it actually worked because, you know, you found the blog and, contacted me about some of these topics and that's what really why I put it out there is I wanted to say hey if anybody wants to discuss these things 
like you said, there's there's an aspect to me that goes beyond the artwork and that kind of stuff. And I was like, I just need to put the, some of these ideas out there, get them out of my brain, and uh, you know, and just see what happens because I felt like uh, it was something that I wanted to. You know, I mean, again, I probably sound like any other blogger out there, but for me, it was just like, and I did the one of the big things too was I didn't want it to be. Uh, I know that ideally a blog is, you know, or a podcast or anything is very focused, very narrow, and and if you go to my blog, you'll see there's tons of, you know, it's not very focused at all. But I, that was on purpose because, and that's part why I named it uh, the Overthinker is because there's a lot of things going on in my brain that I'm like, I just got to get them out. And I don't care if that, if, if anybody finds that blog useful or not, it doesn't matter. If you just find one post useful, that's enough. It's not, I'm not expecting people to subscribe. I'm just more like, you know, random organic discovery of, of, of a post that you might like, you know, two or three of them and that's it. But, uh, but for me, it was like, I felt a bit stifled with uh, always trying to, you know, maintain focus, especially with the, the work stuff, always having to have, you know, everything about art and about business and stuff like that. I'm like, I need to get all this random, you know, it's like, it's kind of like the junk drawer of my brain <laughs> on the internet. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's kind of why I started my blog, Maker Mistaker. It was just a, a way to get out some of these thoughts and kind of talk about my journey as I was going through um, sort of a, a path out of depression. I, th- I remember starting it because I, I don't know what I was really seeking when I started it other than I wanted to express like this, what I was going through. Like I didn't have an outlet, you know, so I'm like, I just need a, somewhere to write this. So I started Maker Mistaker as like, here I am, a maker, yet I'm going through depression, hence the mistaker part. Like, you know, is this a failure? What is this? You know, it's but maker mistaker is kind of part of the same thing for me. Um, it's always a process of creation and failing and figuring things out along the way. And so that's kind of what it started off as as a personal development blog. And I actually didn't even get into the word personal development, that phrase itself, until I think it was Steve Pavlina. Actually, before that, it was Tim Ferriss of the 4-Hour Workweek. He coined the term lifestyle design, and that was really interesting to me um, You know, when I read that, probably in 2009 or something. Uh, and that was an inspiring thing, but I never considered creating a personal development routine or habit for myself. But when I saw, I think it was the book The Miracle Morning that Hal Elrod told, he, he told the readers about creating your own morning routine that allowed you to focus only on personal development. And that was including all sorts of habits like meditation and journaling and affirmations and uh, reading, you know, all these sorts of self-help books or any books that helped improve you. So it was like a self-improvement routine that you would wake up early for. And that like really excited me. And that's what kind of inspired me to start my morning routine, which, you know, inevitably I would consider that it changed my life because it opened the door for all sorts of awesome habits that I then included that opened up more doors you know how it kind of goes like you know it's just the one rabbit hole after the other right. that I went down well you know, <laughs> you know it's funny that you say you know because you, you bring up that depression led you down this this path and it, it at the time for me you know as far as the blog I, I don't I can't remember for sure if it was if, if that how that was related but the depression I, I was going through the same thing and we discussed this uh, you know when we met up a couple weeks ago but you know, I, I almost feel like de- the depression was one of the best things that ever happened to me, which is a weird thing to say because it's it's awful, and I never really understood. I was always uh, I had like the the cartoon version of depression in my head, like oh you're just bummed out or whatever. I never 
really understood what was going on until I went through it. But it really sparked me to make some changes because I'm like, I have no choice. I mean, you really have to, you have to, you have to do something to get out of it. And, uh, you know, I, I was in the same boat as you as far as like personal development and all that stuff. I, I was like, whatever, I'm not into that at all. You know, I mean, it was kind of cur- curiosity to me, but I had no real you know, interest or whatever or desire to, to look into that stuff. But I knew, you know, from dealing with the depression that I, I had to do something different. I knew something was was wrong and I didn't know what it was, you know, and, and that kind of coupled with <clears throat> a little bit with uh a friend of mine who I mentioned to you when we were talking that day, uh, he and I were going through some, you know, basically I'd probably uh, midlife crisis type, you know, questions, thoughts, uh, you know, things that you're you're wondering about, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, him and I went through some dis- uh, this is probably a few months worth of discussions. We would meet up regularly and talk about these things, and we we both kind of came to the to, to the conclusion that no matter what. The, the no matter what the, the approach, it always seemed like meditation or some form of it was what people what the per- prescription was. It's almost like the universal thing, whether it was someone called it prayer or whether they called it meditation or whether it was you know there's all kinds of different things for it. And you know we're I'm, I'm talking about looking into things from all the way from from Aleister Crowley to Gandhi. You know, I mean all these guys always have yeah. quieting the mind. Whether and you know you may ha- use it for nefarious purposes in the long run, but everybody seemed to say that this there was something about that, and so and then you of course the, one of the first things you read when you uh, look into uh, you know depression cures or you know non uh, you know non prescription non medication approaches to to dealing with it uh, meditation is always one of the first things that pops up. So I'm like. It was almost two birds killing two birds with one stone kind of a situation. So you know that that's really how it got. You know, meditation got me, or like I said, depression got me into that, and then the meditation led me down these paths where, like you said, this uh, this personal development stuff, which always you know, it's like the new age stuff. I, uh, it just doesn't sit well with me. But I, I like some of the ideas. Like it's, I'm curious about that stuff, and I'm 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 a, I'm a experienced guy. I'm like I, direct experience is. When someone says you can do this and you will have results, I'm willing to give it a shot before I'm going to shoot it down. I'm like, hey, if I can do this and I actually experience it for myself, I'm not just going to write it off, even if it sounds hokey to me at the, you know, from the from a superficial perspective. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that kind of led me down, and we'll get into this as we go. But I mean, that's that's what led me down the path was once you started doing some of these things, and you're like, well, I'm kind of curious what I'm doing, and I sort of read more about meditation, and you read more about the mind and how the brain works and neuro plasticity of the mind and you get into all kinds of procrastination and perfectionism and I it just like you said it's a rabbit hole it's like this fractal rabbit hole that you you go down and it's it's but it's super interesting to me now and now I guess I would have to say that I'm a I'm on that personal development path if you want to call it that so yeah it's like um when I was in depression too it was like I was burned out and it was tell me if this is how you felt George I mean it was like Nothing could make me happy or nothing could help me look on the bright side. Everything that was once rewarding and good in my life suddenly seemed like a huge chore. Like, And I achieved all the goals and dreams and I'm like, I should be happy. Like, Other people have such a harder life than me. Why am I depressed? Right. And one of the, I, I, I could totally uh, commiserate with all of those sentiments. And the other one that, I, that drove me nuts was... I was like, I have 
absolutely no reason to be depressed. Like that was what drove me crazy. And probably because I'm, I'm leaning towards the logical side of things. I looked at my life and I'm like, yeah, I'm not like some super rich, you know, whatever, you know, on paper people claim that it's going to make you happy. But I'm like, look, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And things, you know, things are going good with the business, you know, on, on the personal side, I'm like, my family's healthy. I'm healthy. You know, there's not, I, I have nothing that should be bringing me down like this. And I just, it, that's what made it even the, that was the most maddening thing about the whole thing was that I'm like, I can't figure out why, you know, there's just doesn't seem to be any reason for this whatsoever. So, well, what was the first aha moment that you had after, you know, that, that kind of kickstarted the process for you? Uh, kickstarted the what process? Like, say you're depressed, and what was the first like inkling of like, whoa, there's a way out of this. I'm starting to understand. Wow, it's been. I don't. I, that's a good question, man. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> I haven't. I never really stopped to think about. It. I I had this thought the other day. And I want to go off topic here, but I have I had the thought that I'll dirt down these types of paths. It's 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 a lot of people want to see like these big aha moments but for me it's always been more of a you know you're hiking in the woods near dusk and all of a sudden you realize like oh it's super dark out but because your eyes have adjusted while it's getting dark you didn't notice how dark it got and i I don't like using the dark metaphor because it's the opposite of that but i feel like for me it's always been this very gradual uh gradient of change as opposed to an aha moment but i'm trying to think back to you know, and that's one of the things that tri- trips me up sometimes. I think with uh, I had that this thought in relation to meditation because a lot of times I'm I'm anxious for things to happen or things that are very, very obvious to happen, and I look back and I go, you know, maybe it's more of this kind of gradual. You know, it's it's this uh, I'm becoming almost acclimatized to it as it's happening, so I can't tell that it's actually happening. You know, it's like it's it's I'm I'm changing at the same pace that it's happening in a sense. So. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have like a big aha moment for myself. I can tell you that the even uh, before meditation and stuff, the first thing I started doing, which I'm still a big fan of it, which is why I suggested we go out for that hike when we met up to talk, is going for walks because I didn't know what else to do to get out of my brain. So I was like, I'm just going to go do something, and, and walking's healthy, you know, and I've learned tons more about why it's healthy and how, how healthy it actually is but right. I was like I just get, need to get some sunshine get out of the house get out of my you know get out of these rum, rumination and thought patterns and stuff but but that was a big one for me I think was to see that making those little change a, a simple change a physical change too that I could you know you, you can it's a goal that I could check off on the list like I went for a walk even if it was for five minutes but doing that every day you know I try to do it every day and that it was slow going at the beginning but but doing those little things establishing and I think it was establishing it was telling myself you can set a goal and achieve it you know you can set something to do even if it's something tiny and then go make it happen and I think look you know now that you've put me on the spot to have to answer that question because I haven't thought about this before but I think that had to had to do a lot with it was that I because I remember that was a big thing for me. It was like, oh, I, I actually I'm looking forward sometimes to, to to going out for a walk. And I, and like you said, there was, you know, and, and I've learned since that, you know, it's the dopamine levels in your brain play play a huge factor in all this stuff. But having no sense of uh, of anticipation for the future is a big part of it. And I think setting up something small that you you, you realize that you're like, hey, I'm going to do this tomorrow, and then. 
it's, yeah. it's it kind of uh, you know it's like a it's like an anchor that you can start building on that as as you uh, you establish it. But uh, right, yeah. So I mean, for me, I think it was it was very similar too in that it was a a gradual pace. But I I distinctly remember some aha moments of just like of hope, I guess, of like possibility and like inspiration was coming back. You know, whereas nothing was inspiring me. But it was like I felt so jaded and so stagnated in everything that it was like I would go take a walk right and like just that walk felt like it was I'm just well, I just wanted to be into nature like just get me away from everything the hustle and bustle just please let me be alone with by myself like I felt like I was comforted in some way by being alone or by being at some sort of peaceful thing and then I when I got into the meditation it started off as just a silence habit I didn't actually know, well I've tried meditating but it was really the meditating I did was I used an app called Headspace and I was trying to relax and de-stress. So I thought, I mean, I would go into my car at work and take a break and just lay down. I mean, I had to get out of the office. That's all I could feel was like, I need to get out. It was such a strong compulsion to leave, get out of the surroundings. I don't know where that came from, but, and I got in the car and I put on the Headspace app and that was all right for a bit, but I really just wanted to be alone and lay there. Like, actually, it was just, I just wanted to get the heck out of there. I just escape, you know? And then I would just sit there and, like, why? What is going on? I, could, I didn't know what to change, you know? I didn't right. even want to change. I didn't have any goals. I'm like, I, I would actually go into, like, meetings, our annual meetings at Go Media, and say, my goal is to have no goals. And, <laughs> like, I, I started reading, like, blogs like Zen Habits and stuff several years ago. And I was really always kind of interested in his how he did habit change and the whole small, start small, like really minimal habits and his his kind of like minimal lifestyle design, like uncluttering everything, only keeping the essentials. And I was always sort of secretly uh, inspired by all of that stuff. And yet it didn't apply in my life, really. But I felt like there was something to it that I was attracted to. And so I tried the meditation, and, and to me, I, I was craving a simple life somehow behind the scenes. And when I did the meditation, I got, I was able to do that for a small bit of time, and just feeling the relief, and not, and then all of the, I would read mindfulness in plain English, and I read the Power of Now, and a couple other books that were inspiring about living in the present moment and letting go of everything, and, and then George, you can probably you know you know about this, but. The Sean Webb of the I Am Spirituality podcast mm-hmm. uh, talked about how he he asked a question in the very first episode or two about like who are you, and he asked you to write it down on a piece of paper. And I remember writing down like all the things that are in my Twitter bio. You know, right. I am I am the an artist and designer. I'm a musician. I'm the founder of Weapons of Mass Creation Fest. I'm a partner at Go Media. I'm the author of Threads Not Dead. I mean, what else have I done that I want to tell you about? You know, right? Um, you know, I was, oh, there's not even enough room to tell you all about myself. And then when he told me that that's your false self, and then there's another version of yourself that exists, what he called the true self, I was like, what? Like, I was just totally taken off guard. I'm like, but something about me knew he was right. Like, I just was like, Yes, he's on to something. I don't know what it is, but that sounds so good because I want to say, fuck my whole history. Like, get all of the things I've accomplished I don't care about. Who is this true self that he's talking about that I really want to get to know who that is? Because that sounds more like me than anything else. That sounds what I'm excited to see. I want to meet my true self. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you say um, 
that you just wanted to toss all that stuff away because that was one of the and maybe you know this this might relate to an aha moment for me i i my memory isn't so good so i <laughs> i tend to like i don't know i guess i absorb stuff and move on but i had you know similar experiences that were that, that i can point to for sure at least in my memory that for me were were some sort of like like a aha type of a moment where mm-hmm. i felt like whatever i like you know like we agreed before whatever we were doing up to that point was not working and I don't know what to change, but I started changing some things and a lot of it was just, I, it was, I said, I'm just going to stop. And I just stopped doing everything. I stopped doing everything I was doing before. I just, I was like, I want to do everything different for a year. I don't know, six months, whatever. I just want to do everything differently so that I can, at least I can compare it. I can say, okay, I can look back at what I was doing and, and from a different perspective, but I noticed that when I, you know, when I did start stopping, that things started uh, improving. You know, there were there was I don't know what it was, and I can't, you know, I, I can't put my, put my finger on any of it, but it was but things did start changing from that point on, and I didn't have any real goal other than I'm just going to not do anything I was doing <laughs> before because I'm like it was almost like. I'm going to, you know, like you said, I'm going to wipe the slate clean and then I'm just going to start to keep, because, you know, I read this interesting thing uh, around that time where they said, it was, it was this was more about uh, nutrition, which is, that was actually another thing that got me down this path too, was, was, uh, was uh, straightening out my nutrition, man. I used to eat yeah. crap and uh, looking into that changed my perspective on uh, a lot of things too. And, but uh, but I was looking into that stuff, and they said most people's nutrition plan is based on like they said. Would you take uh, nutrition advice from a twenty year old person? And most people's answer, you know, I'm forty three, something like that now, forty two. I can't remember, but uh, you know, it's like yeah, I wouldn't take advice from a twenty year old. But their their point was that you, you're taking advice from your own twenty year old self, and I'm like you know what, I'm doing that in a lot of different areas of my life, not just nutrition-wise. Like, there's a lot of decisions that I've made that I've just been doing on autopilot for 20 years, you know, like... Yeah, wow, cer- that's, certain that's a really awesome statement, actually. So what, you, you're you 42 years old, and you're listening to your 20-year-old self. You're, you're kind of taking cues from things that you've done since college that you never decided to change, right? Exactly, and there's things that I didn't, you know. And this is going down a different uh, rabbit rabbit hole, but uh, you know, there's things that even then I wasn't making the choice myself, and that's one of the big realizations that I've had is that I wasn't making a lot of choices, and I think that was part of what led me down to some of these these uh, these negative mindsets was that I wasn't making decisions or choices, or I wasn't picking things. I was, you know, it goes this whole external validation uh, validation thing, but. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it was like I, at the very the beginning of all this stuff was like, okay, yeah, I I haven't made a decision. I'm just doing what I've been. I'm only doing it because that's what I do. You know, oh, I I you know I used to work at a bar, so that's what I would do. I'd go to the bar when I wasn't working. I would meet up with friends. I met a lot of people that way. They would go there, and I, that's that's that was my outlet for doing anything. That was like the only socialization that I had. So you know, that was one of the first things to go. Was like I gotta I gotta get rid of that. That habit, because that's just that's purely a, a, an activity that I'm doing out of habit, and I, I completely lost interest in it years before. But I was still yeah. doing it because I had no other. I didn't know what else to do. You know what I mean? And it was like I was still listening to that 20 year old <laughs> telling me what to do with my time. So that was a big right, yeah. And I remember you told me too, like you were outsourcing your personality in a way, like you didn't even <laughs> right. 
like you were just kind of doing what the, your friends were doing if they wanted to do it you'd be like i'm up for whatever you know and then you end up doing what they do and what the group what the group wants to do and you kind of lo- lost your personality and you didn't realize it until you got older you're like man so that yeah that analogy of listening to your listening to your college age self is a pretty good one well i i was it was so bad i was listening to my college age friends i wasn't even taking my own direction you know what i mean <laughs> So it was like I was doing the same thing that I was back then that I was doing recently. So it was like I was making a lot of – I was doing a lot of things that were not even my own decision. You know what I mean? They weren't things – like that's what really got me thinking. I'm like what do I want to do? Like what would I do if I didn't do this stuff? Because let's let's let's, let's say that I do want to do that stuff. I'll come back to it. I'm not going to – it's like if I really want to do it, I'll come back to it. So let's just not do it for six months and um, and, and see what – you know. What do, I, what do I gravitate when I come back to it? And it was really eye-opening to realize how uncomfortable, how much anxiety I had about not doing a, not doing the things that I used to do habitually, and had no, really had no interest in doing them. Did, I did them because of the dreaded uh, "should" word. You know, I thought I had to do those things, or I needed to, you know, yeah. get out of my house, or I needed to socialize, or I needed to be at the bar, needed to do whatever, you know, needed to see the, these group of people and stuff. But, uh, you know, the other one was I was realized that, okay, when I take out doing what other people do, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't know what else to do. I was like, what do, what, what do I do? I, and it was, it was really kind of a mind-blowing experience. But uh, that's when I started riding my bike. You know, I started getting bike rides in and getting, doing more uh, fitness-related stuff just to, you know, and really that was part of the depression stuff too. But that was my, yeah. my you know, the whole thing was, uh, like you had said before, you just wanted to get out of the – out of the office you just wanted to be alone and be in the in the car or wherever you could go to get get uh, some sanctuary and I, it was the same for me you know i i was like i don't want to sit still because i'm just going to start ruminating again so i want to go i want to uh, engage my body and not my mind you know and hopefully that'll help the mind out by by getting the body uh making him occupied so or it occupied so you know and I, I was doing this basically the same thing I was like I'm just going to move and I'm going to do something different and I'm going to do something that's hopefully healthy and, and see where that goes so yeah and I mean when I started my personal development routine I mean I, it's so funny okay I'm just going to clear up personal development like what is that I mean and and self-improvement like I I think we're all kind of do stuff that we think is improving ourselves over our, our lives. You know, I mean, we're doing the best we can. Um, and then there comes a point when I feel like you actually make a conscious choice that you're saying, I'm going to actually dedicate my life to bettering myself every single day. And to me, that's kind of like it was first it was learning about my depression. And then I was just following where it led me. And it led me to one personal development resource after another and it wasn't for a while until i decided i was actually on a personal development path and i and and i didn't actually call it that until i read steve pavlina's blog he had a, a website called personal development for smart people and this guy was someone who like he had been blogging since the 90s and he was so consistent and he'd been talking about how he had would learn about some new thing and he'd try it and he'd write about his experience and then see how it had improved his life if it did if it didn't and he got into all sorts of things like say for example what's it like to be how do i i've realized that i don't like i can't take rejection very well so how do i improve that well and then he would go out on an experiment and get rejected and then write about how it felt and and i mean he was really kind of cerebral about it he was very smart and that's why he called us blog personal development for smart people (laughs) 
but that inspired me. I'm like, personal development, that's kind of an interesting thing. So when I started my blog, that's what I called it. But now I think the word's kind of corny. I mean, all, all I'm really trying to do now is like discover who I really am, my authentic self, be the most authentic version of myself I can be. Like George, you said, you know, when you were in college, you were not even yourself. You don't even know who that is because you've, you know, outsourced your personality to what everyone else is doing. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, I, it was for me, this whole thing is not even, it, it's, it's like discovery. It's like, I'm, it's experimentation. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on and I'm just, I want, I want to learn, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not necessarily about like, I mean, I, I guess I do have some goals, but it's at the same time, it's, it's more about like doing things and, and learning firsthand. You know, that's like one of the you know things you brought up at the in, in the intro, but and that we mm-hmm. talked about when we were on, uh, when we met up uh, recently, but I'm a big fan of that phrase. A buddy of mine used that many, many years ago and I'd see it come up you know here and there, but I love that idea of direct experience. That's, Cause to me, that's, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's where it's at, and, and to me, you know, the whole, like you said, personal development and all those phrases. I, I don't think that way. I just think I'm going to try this and see what happens. You know, and like I, I used to smoke, and uh, again, I see it's one of these things that like you said it's these these rabbit holes or these snowballs. But quitting smoking was a big thing too for me because uh, when you when you can accomplish something like that, and you, you're like, wow, I did that. I could do other things, and so you, you know, for me, it's more. It was like experimentation. So, uh, you know, quitting smoking for me was a little bit of it was uh, realizing that I had never, I didn't really have control over my my actions. I was like, I'm controlled by this this thing, this 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 habit, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't I don't like that. I don't I don't want to have I don't want to be my, have my behavior dictated by some you know thing. I mean, I guess it relates to the whole, you know social aspect of it as well like where it was like i'm just doing what everyone else is doing and that included smoking and i'm smoking because i smoke and it's like I, you start identifying with these things and this is who i am and it's that's not who you are and i'm like well let's experiment and see who how we can change this and what i'm capable of, of being i mean this is probably going too far down the rabbit hole for now but uh you know it's 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 quite eye-opening to realize how you know, like you were mentioning the the authentic self or the false self. You know, who the, these accomplishments, but you realize that those the, these false self, this so called false self stuff, is really it's you, it's these things you've identified with, and you can change those things. So if you can change them, then how can they be who you are? You know what I mean? Like, like I'm I used to be a smoker, but now I'm not. So how how can you ch- look to that to say that is? who you are as a person you can't i mean when you can when you start realizing you can change things and you're like well i'm gonna go change i'm gonna change a lot of this stuff you know because when you start looking you find a lot of things under the rock so you're like well i got rid of all these other bad or let's let's not call them bad but let's just say undesirable or unwanted uh, behaviors and habits and whatever practices Mm -hmm. i'm gonna get rid of more of them you know and and i I, i've tried a bunch of crazy stuff that aren't even really related to personality it was you know just like this guy uh uh, you know, wanted to experiment with um, what'd you say it was uh, rejection or what was the thing? Rejection, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, even exposing yourself to, like, I had this thought the other day that, like, like what, what it would be an ex- I don't know if I could do it, but like, wear a Halloween costume all year round. You know, like, like be ridiculous and do things like that. Like, what happens when you do that? Why can't you do that? What happens when you know? Why do you have an anxiety about about doing things like that? And I, that's an extreme example, but I think if you get past 
that, you could get past other anxieties and hang-ups that you have. And I mean, I, I like the idea of, uh, have you read the book Anti-Fragile? No. Did we talk about this? No. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole different direction, but there's an interesting, it's basically, there's an idea that he gets into there, it's called, uh, it's basically related to the idea of hormesis, which is very similar to like, there's another word for it, I can't think of it right now, but it's the idea of like, if you exercise your muscles, uh, you know, they, at, at a certain point, they get, uh, they, they build more. So you got to exercise, you know, lift weight enough, heavy enough weights to, to, to break, I don't know if you actually break the muscle down, but, you know, you want, if you want to build muscle, you have to, you have to go through some damage to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of like that idea for everything in my life now where it's like you need to be in an uncomfortable spot. You need to push yourself a little harder to get, uh, you know, inoculated to things like anxiety and fear and stuff like that. I'm not saying I'm, I, I still have tons of that stuff in certain areas, but, but the more you do them a little bit, you know, it's like, uh, I can't think of the right word, but it's like when you get those shots when you're a kid, I don't, they still do that. Yeah. Booster shots or immunity shots. Yeah. Yeah. Immunization. That's what I'm thinking. So yeah, the idea is that you need a little bit of that to let your body or, you know, in this case, maybe your, your psyche, you know, get mm-hmm. used to it a little bit and build up some some tolerance to it you know so yeah i mean there's so many things i could probably say about that but uh let me back up for a second and and talk about kind of the the experimentation stuff because before i was going through depression before i even just decided that i was depressed i mean i was doing stuff that i was i was kind of obsessed with productivity before i was always trying to like i was always you know salivating over the latest productivity tool and reading blogs about how to be more efficient i was still reading self-improvement books you know but they were mostly based around business and how to like achieve your dreams and stuff like that that's always kind of been a been a thing for me but i remember when i first took drum lessons that was actually the first time as an adult that i realized i can learn whatever the heck i want and and i i was 25 years old and i had been making music on my computer since i was 18 so I had no experience with an actual instrument, but I had a friend of mine that wanted to start a band and we both had similar music interests and I'm like, oh man, that would be so awesome. I've always wanted to play drums. Now's my chance. So I went and found a drum kit on Craigslist and then I'm like, I need to learn how to play this um, so I don't suck, you know? And, and, I, and then I went right into, I found some uh, a teacher in Lakewood, Ohio, and and it was it was scary at first because I was so bad and I was embarrassed about being bad, you know, performance anxiety and stuff. But then as I was slowly learning and getting better, uh, I started to, to see the magic happen. And then, you know, before I know, it, I started identifying myself as a drummer, as a, you know, and I no longer was a wannabe. And I was getting good at that. And I was like, wow, look at that. I just now drumming's part of my life. And, and isn't that amazing? And then I think another thing happened too when i started taking breakdance classes i used to break dance when i was in college with my friends i would make my own music and then we would go to these house parties and i would put put on my new songs and we'd dance to them and i mean one one of my friends showed me a six step and it was like whoa what's that you know and i tried doing a six step it was like one of these you know fundamental floor footwork moves and that got me all looking up videos on the internet this is before youtube but i mean i was inspired enough and, and this is so funny because this was all happening but i wasn't actually conscious of the whole self-improvement i had no real purpose other than it was this was bringing me an immense amount of joy and curiosity and excitement so i was just sucking it all in you know i was like it was so awesome 
And then, so I started taking breakdance classes. And of course, my first day in, in school, there was, uh, well, school, <laughs> in first day in class, the, everybody was like less than 10 years old. And I was 28. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, shit, this is like crazy. Because Sounds like an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's totally what it felt like. And, and the very first day, so I'm bust, dusting off my old breakdance moves from college, um, what had been like six years later. And then, and I probably haven't really danced in quite some time, but we have the freestyle and then I'm dancing and then I do this little head, head flip spring, whatever you want to call it. But I ended up kicking one of the kids in the class <laughs> in the chest. <laughs> He was standing too close to the circle, and I flipped and I kicked him in the chest, and he went tumbling to the wall, and he was, like, crying, and, and the whole class stopped, and, like, the parents that were watching were, like, <gasps> gasping, and they were all, and I felt like, oh, fuck, this is my first impression. Damn it. And that was an, almost enough to get me to quit the class, but, I mean, the teachers told me, like, don't quit, you know, come back, you know, like, see how you like it, whatever. That inspired me enough that it's almost like, man, I can just take any kind of class I want. I can learn whatever I want, and it, and and it's up to me. And so that's sort of where this personal development thing kind of started for me. Before I even was in, once I got into depression, it became, how do I get out of depression? Right. So, I, I mean, you and I are on the same page a little bit with like you know the, the productivity stuff. I. I Looking back, I think a lot of that had to do with like trying to this like some kind of a belief that there was like a, a key to everything where you could just like you know find the right software or find the right system and you'd be all set. You you know oh yeah you, you really just end up finding and like you said like you know going to like this is a good analogy like I like I use a lot for for almost anything is uh, I I always wanted to play the guitar. I guess I didn't always want to play the guitar, but I had the, an interest in playing the guitar, you know, since I was in college. A lot of my friends could play like way more people could play than I realized could play. I always thought it was like this, you know, this rare talent or whatever. And I get to college and I'm like, no, like it seems like everybody could play at least a little bit. And even the guys that played a little bit seemed like they were pretty good, you know what I mean? So I'm like, how come I can't? I, I can't play it. And of course, I've never even tried. But uh, you know, it was it was like it just seemed very intimidating to me. And then, you know, I forget when this was, but it was years later. I was at, out of school and stuff. But I'm like, I'm gonna learn how I'm gonna learn how to play. And, and really, it was uh, I guess that that stemmed from teaching myself Adobe Illustrator. I remember when I wanted to learn that, and I figured finally learned the pen tool. And I was like, when when that clicked, I was like. I can do anything. I felt like the master mm-hmm. of the universe because I'm like that was the most confusing, intimidating tool I'd, I'd ever used to, to try to create artwork with. And I'm like, I can do this. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is just a matter of just sitting down. So I was like, I'm learning how to play the guitar now. I felt like you know it was like the Matrix, you know, like Neo, like upload more. But uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously, you know. And it was like so. I picked, a, I got a guitar, did the same thing you do with the drums. Got that whole, you know, got got all got the starter kit, which I still have. I actually still really like that guitar. But uh, you know, I just sat down, and I'm, I mean, you and I sound like we're very similar in, this, in the fact that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when I decide I'm going to do something, I'm like I'm going to make it happen. So I just I practiced all the time, you know. And I was bartending back then, so I put plenty of time to do this. But I just practiced every single day you know at least you know the 15 minutes that they said but mm-hmm. you know in three months three four months into it i was like i was actually at a point where i'm like 
I'm getting worse. Like I was doing okay. Like my left hand, my front hand was doing okay, and I'm like, I, I, I got, I hit a point after like three months where I'm like, I'm getting worse, and I got so frustrated that I gave it up. And then about six months later, I decided I'm like, no, I'm not. This is crazy. I'm not giving this up just because I got frustrated. And I picked the guitar up, and it was like uh, the original Karate Kid movie where. You know, he had to wash the, you know, wax the floor and wash the, paint the fence and all that. And he was like, I'm just getting, you know, I'm just doing all your work. And he's like, you know, when he went through the moves, he realized that he was teaching them all these, uh, these karate moves. But anyways, I picked, oh, the, yeah. I picked the guitar up to start. I'm like, I'm going to practice again. I pick it up and I realized that all of the scales that I had been practicing that I thought I wasn't learning anything, I knew everything. I mean, very rudimentary. You know, at a very rudimentary level, but I could play scales and solos and lead lines, and I was like, I can't believe I was it was I was blown away, and I was like, I almost walked away from the guitar completely, and that whole you know that experience just told me you got to put the time in, and it's just a lot of it's persistence and perseverance. You know, you just have to like there is no secret, there's no magic trick to all this stuff. The trick is that you have to put the time in and do it. Most people that don't they can't do it don't put the time in and, and I was one of those pe- people in the past and you know mm-hmm. like, like you were saying with the depression stuff I, I, I kind of took the same uh, approach to that I was, I was like I'm not going to give up on myself um, and which is really hard to do when you're depressed because you have no motivation to do anything let alone fix something especially when it seems futile but I was like I had enough of a, the logic in my brain left over to go this isn't really me I wasn't identifying with it 100% at that point and uh, I was able to, you know, like you said, read books and learn how to do things. And start, you know, start on a path. And if, I, if yeah. it didn't work, I'll move to the next one. You know, uh, but I'm going to try something. And and you know, sticking with it and, and experimenting was the big, you know, that was the, what started us down this path. But yeah, that was a huge factor. And it's, I think, once you have one of those experiences where. Um, you know, you like you said at the beginning of all this, that aha moment, and it doesn't. It could be in any any area of your life when you go, oh, that's how it works. It's like, yeah, it's how everything works. You know what I mean? It's that's how you learn to ride a bike. That's how you that's how you get better at writing. You know, it's like they say you got to write every day. You know, it's like you you, you get you know if you want to get into shape, you have to exercise. You have to do it all the time, and it's like, yeah, it's you can approach you can have that aha moment in in a completely different genre you know completely different uh thing you know activity interest whatever yeah you know and when i was when i was depressed and i had made the decision it wasn't like a decision that i said i'm gonna get out of depression i didn't go to google and say how to get out of depression i totally did that (laughs) that's that's good we got a nice uh we got a nice uh, yin yang going on here because that's exactly what i did i'm like how to Literally. Yeah, and you know, I would, I kind of, I've kind of like, I, I felt like, oh, I knew, I immediately missed, I would judge the results I would get before I even searched anyway. I'm like, I don't want to do any of that, you know, whatever. Right. But the thing that got me out, I feel like George was more like the the, I would was interested and curious about something that was so far removed and from like design, from art, from being a business owner, from anything that I had done. And it was like when I was learning about when I read The Power of Now and I read um, The Miracle Morning about meditation and stuff and I read Mindfulness in plain English. I'm like, this is so far removed from the like 
all of the capitalism and all of the sort of self-help business stuff that I've been reading, mm-hmm. it was inspiring to me because it just felt calm and away from all that nonsense. And it was like getting back to the root of, of like just letting go. When when that idea of letting go occurred to me, it was like relief, and that relief is what is what got me out of depression. I kept chasing, kept like leading that sensation of relief pull me out of depression like a like a rope like somebody had a rope for me and it was like one thing after another like i would read one book and they would reference a book inside it and i'd be like looking that up i would read it and i would be so sort of inspired like i guess or like you know invigorated like oh my god this is just i'm so my curiosity for this is insatiable give me more give me more and i had a friend of mine at work one of my coworkers, um lauren her husband matt was just like he he lent me the power of now and then i gave it back to her in like a week i'm like awesome what else he got then they gave me like i I forget what it was i think it was a new earth his other book or and then i was like okay that was awesome give me more and they started giving me books about um out of body experiences and they're like if you like this this is pretty far out and i read that i'm like that was fucking awesome give me more of that where are you finding this stuff you know what i mean it got me like i was like so interested and it was so far removed i felt like and you know what it was george it was like these things were were like content and 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 uh things that were they resonated with me, with my soul, with my being, my true self, basically. That's why I was so curious and interested and and excited about reading this stuff, you know? Well, I wasn't I wasn't reading like uh how to win friends and influence people. That wasn't exciting me. But like how to like the reading about this guy's out of body experiences seemed really interesting to me. So I kept finding that. And I think it's like you find yourself a new hobby in a way and then and it's aligning yourself more with who you really are. And that idea with wait a minute what does identity and who I really am have anything to do with depression? Well, do you have an answer for that, George? Because that that's actually a huge part of why people get depressed. And it has so much to do with identity and who we think we are. Well, it's, it, it's, that brings me to a, a thought that I had while you were talking. It ties right into this. Is that you know, you made a mention of the, these books kind of called to you or, or spoke to you, whatever, as you're reading them. And, and you, know, you kept finding mm-hmm. new ones and whatever. But I think one of the aspects of that that and we touched on this when we were talking you know on that hike, but uh, y- you were open to the idea that you could be a different person, and I think that's a huge factor is that oh yeah, you know i there's I had a lot of anxiety for a while about being different, you know it's like you, you get you identify with who you have been, you know what I mean there it isn't who you are it's you're not attached to who you are. You're attached to who you have been being. <laughs> I know that's a bad sentence, but you know what I'm yeah. getting at. And it's like, I think that you can, you know, I had this, <laughs> this is a, an untested thought I just had it the other day, but, uh, uh, you know, one of my thoughts was one of the ways out of depression is accepting the fact that you might be a boring person. And what I mean by that is for me, there's been a lot, like you said about, you talked about the quiet or having, you know, uh, having things be more calm and, and, and staying away from the the capitalist approach to things. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I think that was driving me crazy, uh, or at least I shouldn't say that I think what it was doing was, was, was filling, filling me with stuff that wasn't, uh, resonating with who I really was on. And I don't even know who that is to be honest, but 
I, you can feel when it's off, you know, it's like, it's just, you can feel it, you know, there's something wrong. I think depression is just like the, the extreme version of that, 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 that offness. But, mm-hmm. uh, you, um, I lost my train of thought. Was I saying, oh yeah, you, you might be boring, but, uh, you know, one of the things for me, I, thought, I think I had a fear of not being like this, you know, cool, not that I was ever cool before, but you know what I mean? Like doing cool things and being in a cool spot or doing what everyone else is doing and all that kind of stuff as you get tied up in, in, in that stuff. And I'm like, you know, when I, when I did that thing where I said, I'm going to just going to stop, I'm going to stop for a year and see what happens. What I realized was I'm like, I, I like not doing stuff. You know what I mean, I, I like being at home and since I work at home, I don't, I, I read a quote by the director, John Carpenter, uh, you know Halloween and the thing and all that stuff, but he said he considers uh, his day successful if he didn't have to leave the house. You know, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not a hermit. I'm not a shut in or anything like that. I like getting out once in a while, but I also like being at home. I'm an introvert, and an introvert in the I think in a healthy way, not in a negative. You know, or you know, I'm not not the connotation most people have for introverts, but I like the quietness and thinking. And I realized, you know, I, I I dropped off my social media too for a while because I thought that was getting my or making my, my my mind fragmented, and I realized that it, it, it really was that I, there was a lot of things going on that I needed the quiet for, and I needed extended periods of time to like basically digest all the all the stuff that I spill out spills out into my blog when I remember to post it. But mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying it's like there's I, I had to kind of come to terms with the fact that you know I'm not going to be at some cool bar hanging out trying to be cool and do all these things. It's like I don't think that was me, and I think I tried to you know. I think I was going down that path for a long time where I was afraid to not uh, be part of whatever, you know, minor scene there was going on around me or whatever. It was like, I, I was like, I got to be out there. I got to be among, you know, whatever was happening. And I and I've realized over the past couple of years that I'm like, I never liked that stuff. And I don't, you know, I don't, maybe I did at the time. Maybe I should, shouldn't say that. Maybe I, at the time I, I, might, I probably did get a kick out of it for a while, but I know as of the past yeah. five years, I just, it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, nope, I was, I was not doing that out of choice. And I think once I accepted the fact that things were going to be, that I, that I was willing to let myself change into somebody who might have, might be a lot different. And like you said, reading some of these books that you may not have read before, or even considered, it's like, you know, that was one big thing that I got from, from our conversation that, that day was that you're like, you know, you were more, you're definitely more open to to that to that kind of an approach to yourself than I ever was up until recently. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was like I was very, I was I, I was had a pretty tight grip on like like this is how I am. You know what I mean? And I and I think you were more, which is totally cool. Which is you were you were more willing to say, you know what? I'm going to throw it all away immediately. You know, and I'm like, ah, I need some proof first. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was funny because that the weird stuff that i was reading right most people would say like right off the bat like that's kind of weird or any of this like some i guess i didn't know what the term new age was at the time or whatever but i mean you might well you, you can throw it in that category if you want but the stuff about the out of bodies about, about sorry out of body experiences and consciousness and stuff and and the the spirituality stuff i was not a spiritual person at all when i read it and when i first came across like the word spirituality and how it related to this podcast that i was starting to get into i was like i had judgments and stereotypes come up and mm-hmm. red flags right you know like 
what 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 are red flags? I mean, there are stereotypes and preconceived notions that I've had growing up about what spiritual means, and I was not a religious person. I used to be Christian back in high school, but by the time I got through college, I hated Christianity and religion altogether, and and I was like renounced God or any of that kind of stuff. And of course, and I, and I think that's really common for a lot of people who kind of have this. They used to be religious, then they renounced God, and then later on they they had basically almost died and doing doing whatever and then all of a sudden god saved them again and now they're you know born again so that's that's one way of going about it but in my case i was like spirituality no not for me but then i'm like wait this guy has some really good points and okay so the ego is the source of all suffering well what's the ego well it's the mind the mind is the source of all suffering all this thinking that we do and then i read the power of now and he's all like thinking creates suffering you know like you don't have to suffer you can have pain but you don't need the suffering that's totally a human condition and this is why suffering exists and i'm like oh my god that's why i'm depressed this is exactly why you know it was so like compelling you know so and i had like it was it was interesting to me because i didn't know what to look for next i just allowed my curiosity to guide me and when i allowed my curiosity to guide me it guided me into places that i was like no before i would have been like no don't go there because if i go there i'm going to become one of those weirdos i'm going to be i'm going to become one of those like you know ghost hunter tv shows if i start looking up ghosts or supernatural stuff or i'm going to become one of those like you know uh, crystal ball people if i start reading you know like about being about psychic abilities or something like that but like i was like fuck that shit like i'm just gonna read it because this is i woke up this morning early and i don't feel like going to work and this is the thing that i'm finding really interesting right now so i'm just gonna read this and as i was reading it i found that it had a lot of similar connections to what i read in the power of now or other books that i felt like were really inspiring and i started putting all these things together and realizing how all this stuff is connected and that was the launch pad for what I considered my spiritual awakening, which is what opened me, opened my mind, essentially, that there's more to life than than what I had been living. And it, and it was like, I guess it was meaningful. Like, when you're depressed, you're kind of like looking for meaning of your life. Like, everything is meaningless at that point. And then I found that there was an inkling of hope, an inkling of meaning. And it wasn't like I found God or Jesus or something. It was like something resonated there i didn't know what it was i didn't know how to what to describe it as but it was like curiosity and joy were back in my life and so i let that take me where it needed to take me and being open to that is what is really key to getting out of depression right that's what you said george like being open to being a different person and at that point i did not see myself at the time as a i saw myself as kind of a hip cool trendy graphic designer type that was an entrepreneur that was successful he was an author i did not see myself as a person who was going to talk about spirituality or consciousness or talk about out-of-body experiences or aliens with anyone like this at all like this is not part of my life but now it feels like the most authentic that i've been in a long time well one of the things we um when we when we went up that that day you know one of the first things we, we, we touched upon was uh I forget your phrase for it, but my phrase for it was uh, constipated personality. What was yours? Um, uh, stifled soul. Right, right. So, but it was interesting that we both came to the same, you know, the same concept, but just, you know, I just, just, we had, we had a different catchphrase for it or whatever you want to call yeah, it, name yeah. for it. But it was like, 
the same idea is where, and I, and I think that's why you know we think, you know that conversation really took off in all the different directions was was right from the beginning. We were both like, "Yep, I'm, I know exactly what you're talking about, man." You know, what I mean, it was like mm-hmm. I, I don't I, the the experiences might be different, the 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 path to, to, to how we got away from it or or, or uh, stay, steering clear from it is maybe different, but it was like that that same, you know, it's. And, I, and I, what did I? What, how did I word this? I was talking to my mom about this, and I said, "Yeah, I, this is not a bad sentence, but it's, it's. I think it expresses this properly." Is I stopped being not me, and I think that was the big thing for me was that I, by looking in hindsight, which is kind of what you were getting at, just for what you just said, was that I, I was cultivating this person, and it was almost because other people expected me to be that person. You know what I mean? I was like. I'm going to stop being whoever that was and see what happens. And it was, that was the, the liberating thing for me was I, I realized, yeah. and that, you know, that goes back to the initial question about, you know, the, the, you know, what was my blog all about? And the blog was really for me and, and I don't do it as much as I should. I didn't have the guts to do it, but, uh, you know, the, idea, the real idea was to post a bunch of stuff that was really what I was thinking. Cause I, you know, like you were saying, you, you, uh, you identify yourself with accomplishments. And for me, because I do a lot of marketing online and, and you know, you type in my name and I, I'm, I pop up on Google search results pretty quickly, but plus, you know, I have a weird, weird last name or it's just uncommon mm-hmm. last name. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, so, you know, I am conscious about self-conscious a little bit about like if I say this is a, is a potential client going to see this or is someone that doesn't know me that well on social media or even worse does someone I know, you're gonna find this you know what i mean like that's well, huge man when i started my blog like you know how much i've got a reputation like in the design community like i put mm-hmm. myself out there so much like not because it's like i want to be the guy or, or anything like that it, that's really the natural way i know about doing it it's like i always feel like your work and the things that you do feel so much better when you know the maker behind all of it and and of course, we're, you and me both are both conscious of online marketing and business and and reputation and SEO, right. you know. So, yeah. So I mean, and that was a. I'm still not over that. I'm still have a. You know, even doing this podcast to some degree, I had like I, I could. That's one of the things meditation has helped me do is I can sense that hesitation thought and not identify with it because in the past it would be like I have anxiety about doing talking about these topics. And you know, slapping my name on it with Jeff, but I don't. I rip deep down inside the, the who, who, what I want to do is I do want to talk about this stuff and go off on tangents and talk about some some fringe topics. But there's oh, yeah. there's a there's that other part of me that's like, you can't do that, and that's way that's not you know you have a professional identity to maintain, and and people know you from a certain way. And I'm and that was a huge when I, when I said earlier like I'm going to stop being not me. Part of that was. I'm like, yeah, I got to start just, I'm into this stuff. And I, you know, tough luck. Yeah. When I say tough luck, I'm talking to myself or my ego, the, you know, the old ego, the the old version of it. But it's like tough Mm -hmm. luck, dude, you're just going to have to deal with it because I'm going to start talking about this stuff. And I I think that, you know, like I said, the the stifled soul thing, it, it, it comes from not getting these things out and not, talking about the topics you want to talk about and not expressing the emotions or the thoughts or the ideas that you want to talk about or hanging around with the people that, you know, that may 
foster that circumstance. And, and like I said, yeah. for me, it was like, you know what? That's not going to happen at some loud bar. That's not going to happen with my friend. And I'm not like getting down on people that do that. That's uh, whatever, man. I that's fine. I don't. I, it's that's. It's not about me saying that's right or wrong. It's about. It's about. It's not for me. It's no different than I'm not going to go to the rodeo. I've. I don't have any desire to do that. So it's, I'm not going to go. You know, it's not. <laughs> I don't have anything right. against the rodeo. It's just um, that's not my thing. But to be honest, I've never been to one, so I should go because. I went to a, uh, <laughs> a tangent again, but uh, I went to a, a, a you know monster truck rally back when I was a kid. Uh, my parents were divorced, and a guy wanted to take my mom out, and uh, mm-hmm. she, she's like, "You got to bring the kids, you know, because I, I'm watching them this weekend, and I can't find a babysitter." So he's like, "No problem." Took us to a monster truck rally, and we were like, "Mom, what kind of hillbilly are we going? What are you doing?" And it turned out to be a super fun, man. I couldn't believe it. I was like, that was I, one of the one of the funnest things. I, I still remember it. I mean, this is when I was twelve years old, but it was it was a blast. But uh, so that's actually a really good point because really think good thing you said that because you had an immediate judgment. What kind of hillbilly? Like, and that's like this belief that you have right? that will prevent you from it. And and it's so funny because you go to it. And then you watch it and you find yourself really enjoying it. And then and then if you don't let yourself call if you don't get too afraid of being judged a hillbilly or whatever it is that you think you're afraid of being judged as, and you allow yourself to enjoy it, like you're getting closer to who you are. Maybe you are a hillbilly. <laughs> right. And that's and then you're actually so pumped to be one and you never allowed yourself to be one. Like and you realize how how like you relate to it so much more. Well, Interesting. I'll, I'll tell you the um, and the the phrase "spiritual hillbilly" came up when you were saying that, so I had to throw <laughs> I had to throw that out there. But you know, one of the things that uh, just uh, came to mind too is that with you know with the depression stuff, um, I I'm a kind of person where I will talk about this stuff with almost anybody, like even strangers. I don't, I'm not too, which is you know. It kind of surprises me to some degree, just what I thought I knew of myself. But I, I don't, I don't really have a lot of hang-ups about saying like, yeah, I went through some pretty severe depression. Like when I see people out in the park, they're like, oh, you, but you hike out here. I'm like, well, yeah, I started a couple of years ago, and oh yeah, look at it, get in shape. I'm like, nope, I was going through some severe clinical depression. You know, and I had to, I had to do something about it. And I, I don't have the reason. And the reason I do that though is because I did share this stuff with some people, and you know, stuff where you know other people might say, man, I'm afraid of being judged or you know what people's opinions might be about me but what i found was i was like i can't believe how many of my friends are on antidepressant medication i mean tons of them almost all of them were i couldn't believe it i mean i almost everybody i knew and i was like like an old uh girlfriend of mine from college like we you know we're still friends now and it's like i had no idea she was i would have never even guessed she was dealing with depression so it it became almost a, a thing for me like you said you start identifying with this new this new identity and I wasn't really identifying with being a person who had depression, but it was a person who was willing to admit that he had it because I was like, there's so many things that people, other you, you say it to other people, and instead of being judged or having somebody look down on you, they're like, oh, yeah, I, I, I've been going through the same thing, and I was afraid to tell anybody, or I didn't have anybody to talk to about this stuff, and I really feel like part, some of that stifled soul stuff comes from that, where people are so afraid like, I almost feel like our society is designed to make people afraid of being themselves so that we can sell them consumer goods and medication in order to, you know, soothe all the, the, the problems that result from that. But it's like so many people have this fear of, like, being 
I have this. I have a note on my computer screen that I have, you know, a little note that I have uh, floating on top that says "Be ridiculous." I, I thought about this a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, "Why am I so afraid to be to do stupid stuff, man? Why do I care what like you know?" Is that yeah, totally. But it's it's. I, I think, in, you know, like you and you, like you were saying, you know, earlier, you try this stuff sometimes, and you and if you, if you can accept that this might be who you are, you might find that you're a lot happier afterwards because it's like. That may be, you know, I really did. I really do believe that, that, you know, the stifled soul thing, this depression, is really from from trapping something within you. And if you can let it go, and if you can overcome the the the, the I don't know if anxiety is the right word, but that that, that resistance to being somebody different, and, and maybe like you said, being somebody that you're uh, you, you might have formerly found ridiculous, you know, a new ager or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean. You, you brought up a good point is that you get into this stuff and you go, you know, I, I had a, I talked to this guy over the summer who we were talking about meditation and he was like, uh, yeah, I went to a meditation group with total uh, prejudice and, and, and stereotypes in my brain. And he was like, I got there and talked to these people. He's like, they're the most down to earth, cool, normal. You'd never guess they were even into meditation types of people. And, you know, I, we all have this, like the cartoon, the movie version in our head of like, you know, the person sitting cross-legged wearing all the chimey bell necklaces. You know I mean? Yeah. It, it's like, that's not, that's, that is in the movies and that's the only place that exists. And if you don't actually uh, have the direct experience, try it out, hang around with some people that do it. You, you, you would never guess it like, yeah, nah, it's just regular people doing this stuff, you know? And it's like, Oh crap, I could have been doing this the whole time. And th- I mean, it's, it's, I guess that's a baby step to say, "Hey, mm-hmm. don't worry about what you know. What who the, the, the people the, the 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 prejudice you have against this stuff is probably unfounded. But even if it is founded, so what? You know, maybe maybe that is who you are. Maybe you should be a new yeah. ager. Who knows? And you know what I found is like the the things that you have prejudice against are probably based in not an actual experience. It's based on you know your own fear. And for whatever reason, and, and 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 the things you have prejudice against are probably things that are going to be really rewarding if you just looked into it. Like anything, um, how many times I remember posting stuff about out of body experiences for the very first time, thinking that I was going to be judged a weirdo or whatever on on Facebook. Um, and this is, of course, I had a direct experience with it, and and I wanted to share it, and it was so crazy for me, whatever. But then I had a couple of guys that would reply and debate whether they were real or not and and this person never tried to have one or even look into it for themselves they only kind of knew sort of offhand what they had read in like science popular science blogs and stuff and they're like it's not physically responsible you're just hallucinating blah 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 of course i got really sort of defensive and triggered by it because i hadn't quite gotten the confidence to believe in myself at this point yet but but it's like people have a judgment and they don't even actually look into it at all. They don't even know what they're judging or what they're talking about. And I have a prime example, my mom. Um, I would go visit my family and my mom would constantly be wanting to tell us all about the conspiracy and the New World Order and the Illuminati and all of this kind of stuff. And she was into ghost hunter shows and into the paranormal and stuff like that but she hadn't always been that way she just kind of got that way in the past couple of years 
And then when I started looking into, well, first of all, I immediately judged her and dismissed her right off the bat, like without even listening. I'm like, mom, oh, just don't quit bringing me down with the, the government's out to get us bullshit. Like, and of course, I had not even looked into it for myself. I just immediately dismissed it because in my awareness in my life, none of that actually happened to me. I didn't have any experience where I felt the government was getting me down. In fact, I felt like the government was supporting me, you know, and in my life experience thus far. But then, like, as I started to get into this, my, the topics that I was getting into, people would mention the Illuminati or the New World Order or like the Matrix control system. Or, you know, these types of things that I felt my mom was touching upon. And then also aliens and ETs. And I'm like, okay, it's getting into weird territory. I'm going to stay away from that. But I was really curious in my brain. I just wanted to know. And I said, I let myself said, or I said to myself, look, you can read this book, listen to this podcast. You're not going to become anyone you don't want to be. You have a choice to discern whether it's bullshit or not. The first thing you can do is at least look into it and judge for yourself. It's not going to make you a different person just by reading it or whatever. You're not going to become a hillbilly just by experiencing a monster truck rally. Right. You can judge yourself and then become a hillbilly if you want or whatever. At least validate it. So when I, when I read into it, I was like, quite I quite enjoyed it and I quite resonated. I felt like a truth resonance inside me, surprisingly. I did not expect that. But I started to get the feeling, get comfortable with this feeling of resonance and something that was... Um, attracting me to more of that feeling it would give me like the chills the shivers like oh my gosh something about this feels true to me like they're onto something give me more of that and i kept following it and of course now i sort of me and my mom talk all the time about this kind of stuff and she's grown a lot too she's no longer the uh straight up conspiracy theorist she's done her a lot of research and she's kind of rounded herself off a little bit too, become a bit more centered but i think it's it's just another person on the path of of waking up and realizing who they really are i mean it's just another another way of doing it yeah i mean it goes back to like like i said a little phrase i thought was like be, be ridiculous because you, you can like well and i think that's the thing too is that you learn you and, you, and for, maybe it's not for everybody maybe it's just for for people like me but I, I needed the direct experience and once i learned that i could change who i was i'm like oh well i can now i can try some other things out because i don't that's not who i that's just that's just i'm just trying stuff you know what i mean it's like you said you're not going to turn into anything just by reading a book or attending a, a an event and i i'm always like one of the big authors that uh really turned me down or or led me or sent me down the the kind of curiosity path back when I was, I mean, I should say, I should rephrase that his book like blew my brains out when I read it at the time or his books, yeah. I should say, but Robert Anton Wilson's books who, uh, he's a, I guess you could consider him a philosopher. He's like a, uh, I don't even know how you, how you classify that guy, but he, you described him to me as a skeptical mystic. No, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you described Robert Anton Wilson. You said he was your favorite skeptical mystic. Okay, maybe, yeah, maybe that that would be a good de- description for him. I mean, that's probably where I picked up, you know, my my perspective from. But uh, hmm. yeah, he's he's a guy that would. I mean, one of the things that he liked to to, to suggest. And I think he actually picked this up from a quantum physicist of all people. But what he liked to do is exp- he's like you're you owe it to yourself to expose yourself to 
the perspective of people that are diametrically opposed to you. So if you're a right-wing uh, Republican Christian person, you should be reading conspiracy theory UFO books. If you're um, if you're a UFO person, you should be reading the Skeptical Inquirer. If you are um, you know, you know, so on and so on. What the, the idea is that you, he refers to these things as reality tunnels. Um, I think he picked mm-hmm. it up from Timothy Leary. I, I liked his phrase uh, "belief system" better because he shortened it to uh, BS, <laughs> which is really what they are. But the uh, sure. you know the idea was that there's different ways to look at the world and perceive things, and you need to see how other people do it because other people don't look at the world the way that you do, and there are groups of people who completely look at them differently and you know i'd say i actually reread a couple of his, a few of his books because i suggested them to my brother and he finally read one of them which i reread and realized it was the wrong book to suggest but uh his book quantum quantum psychology and prometheus rising were both like those are the books if you want to if you're if any of this stuff that i mentioned is interested interesting to you those are the i would say those are the books to start with by that dude but uh but he gets into these things where, um, oh, what was I? I lost my train of thought, man. What was I just talking about? Oh, the skeptical mystic. But yeah, yeah you were talking about how he, you know, you owe it to yourself to listen to other people's point of view that are diametrically opposed. Right. You need to like and, and immerse yourself, and that's what he would do. This guy was like an editor at Playboy back in the '60s or the '70s or something, and you know, at the you know, he he was making money and had a family and was living in Chicago and going to doing all the things, and he realized that he was. He was like, I am turning into this guy. So what he did was he took his family, they he quit his job, and he moved to Yellow Springs, Ohio, where uh, Antioch College is, and um, started working at a book bindery and take it, you know, going. He was on welfare for a while as well. But it's like he did that mm-hmm. specifically. You know, he had a wife that was on board with all this stuff too, but. Um, he did that specifically because he was like, I was getting too wrapped up into this was one belief system this one reality tunnel that i'm living in so he i mean he he definitely like put it into practice what he was suggested to do and I, I can't say that i've ever done that uh to that degree myself but very you know i read this book back when i was probably i mean i i really felt like um after i read his his books and the first book i read was cosmic trigger which is the book i thought it's, it's his most famous book and it's the book that i thought um I, you know, I was I was recommending to people for a long time, and I'm like, I reread it. I'm like, oh, that's not the book, but yeah. uh, but his other books, which were, are more, you know, they're more scientific, philosophical in nature, less less memoir oriented. But those books, because I read a bunch of his books at the time, but I remember I really felt like I was on drugs for about two weeks after I read his or read his books because they had changed the, you know, now today, movies like The Matrix, or I guess, shit, The Matrix is old now, but you know, there's there's been so many. Th- things in pop culture that have touched upon that you know that the people who wrote and, and produced these things read Robert Anton Wilson read these different types of authors that you know back when I read this stuff there was you know this is in, in the 90s you know in 1991 or something 1990 this was I had to order these books from a special bookstore in Seattle you know in Portland Oregon or something like that you know what I mean like these wow. yeah I was into like reading obscure stuff and, and, and going to weird bookstores and stuff when I was a, even when I was a kid I used to I've been reading since I was like four years old but um, you know but I was yeah. I, you had to hunt this stuff down so this wasn't the, there was no internet back then I, this was ordering stuff through I mean literally printed catalogs that you had to order from them you know through the mail so <laughs> you know this is super old school but 
when I finally found this stuff, I mean, it really blew my brain open. And I was like, that's, you know, I actually think back now, I was, I was talking to my brother this afternoon and I'm like, you know what? I did go through a lot of this stuff almost 20 years ago. It was like, I, I, I did go through this, like reformat the, the hard drive of the, of the psyche. You know I mean? I, 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 at that time I, I was going through some, some depression in which I didn't realize at the time what that's what it was. It wasn't as bad as, as the recent bout that I had, but, you know, I'm like, I did this one time, and, and that Robert Anton Wilson stuff is that's it did help because that's what he told me to, you know, or that's what he suggested to do, was change something, you know, make it different, see the world, experience the world from a different perspective than the one you've been uh, that you don't realize you've been trapped in. That you, we, we don't real like, we think that this is there's you know. At least I thought, as you know, to a certain point, that there was a one way to look at the world. This is the way that I looked at it, and that's changed dramatically, you know, since being exposed to these different things and trying this stuff and having the guts to, yeah. you know, like I said, you know, earlier about you know your experiences where you had the you had the guts to to to, to be somebody different, and I think that's a huge it's a huge, it's a huge aspect yeah. of all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you look at a lot of the commonalities that are coming up in Weapons of Mass Creation Fest that, you know, the fest that I was a former organizer of, um, it's all about, because, you know, last year was a big big year for diversity, quote-unquote, um, because so many conferences were building a reputation of really the same homogeneity, or whatever you want to call it, of the same perspective from the same white guy who started up a business, you know, and was successful, and here's what he got to say. Um, but what's important is hearing from other cultures and and people that are not like you. And it kind of, when you do that, it's almost like you you put your guard down. You imagine yourself in someone else's shoes for a little bit. You realize they're just another human being like you, with you know their own belief system that they've ra- gotten raised in the world with. And then maybe when you see how other people see the world, it it gives you a, an expanded consciousness or it allows you to see yourself in a different way. Like if, like for example, a very easy thing a lot of people do, especially when they get depressed, is they go travel as much as they possibly can. It broadens the mind, they say, and just by simply experiencing other cultures, they have a a, a quantum leap in their own consciousness. They, aha, my life is so different, and I can change it. And right. look how these people live; they live so simply, and they're happy. Oh my God, I live in America. We have all everything we ever need, and everyone's depressed and fat. Like what is going on with the world, and then they like want to change the world after they come back. You're right. Well, I mean, it's not even necessarily like it has to be even that all that dramatic. It could just be, or you know, that that diametrically opposed. Like I remember, I, I was I had an opportunity to go over to to Europe, and we were in uh, England and Amsterdam. This is years ago, first big trip I ever ever took like that. And you know, w- when you go through, when you travel on the uh, the Euro Rail or something, I don't know the the, the super fast train that takes you through Europe, but you mm-hmm. stop at different countries along the way and they all have different money and well this is before the Euro and all that stuff. But you know, it was you really get a sense you're like it wasn't like this is better, this is worse. You're like, it's just different and you're like, Yeah, it's all arbitrary, man. Like none of this stuff is like like reality. You know, I mean it's just like these That's are just, awesome this, it's all arbitrary. Well it is. I mean you it's it's just how some people decided to do things and then the habits that stuck and yeah, I, I was driving down the street uh, uh, just here in Kent uh, I, 
last summer, the summer, I can't remember what it was, but I had, I had the idea that like we we picture cities as being the thing, you know, that we we have cities that we live in, and then there's nature around it. And I'm like, that's actually, if you think about it, that's it's it's totally the opposite. It's all nature that we have squished with the city. You know, like a street is not a thing. A street a street is an aberration that has been has crushed what was there before and we don't think of it that way we think of like it's the city and there's nature around it and it's really not that at all but we don't look at things that way we look at things the opposite and it's like we, we take like you know you know especially because down you know down here in kent they they, they changed the they did a lot of development for the downtown area and it's totally different than it used to be mm, yeah. and it's it's cool i mean it seems like it's doing good for the businesses down there and stuff too i mean i i'm, I'm ambivalent about the whole thing i think it's, it seems like a positive change but it's like people have this i, I just it was interesting to watch my perspective just to say like okay i've been here a long time and to see like oh i i see kent as a certain you know this city is a certain uh in a certain perspective but then when they change it it's like nope it's just that now and it's like yeah it never was a thing before it's this process of stuff that is there for a while and then gets changed or goes away or maybe sticks around or whatever but you know it's like we get we get wrapped in, and I, I really think that your your personality or you, who you are is the same thing it's like we, we, we get hung up that we're like you know, I like to make the, the joke that you know I used to think that who you were was like the syringe that you know your soul was in this uh, syringe that was injected into your you know your growing fetus as you were born from I don't know some cosmic you know, mm-hmm. uh, soul injection machine I don't know how that who knows what's going on there but you know what I'm saying like it's like this pre-formatted pre-packaged ready to go it's like you just turn into who you are as you get older and uh, you know, I pick up a lot of this stuff from Alan Watts. Listening to a bunch of Alan Watts lectures. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah he's uh, he's that, that's another guy who blew my mind. That, that's another aha moment. I was thinking about it the, a couple of seconds ago, but that guy opened my brain up last summer big time. But um, but you know, he, he he brings up this idea of process that things are process. Like you know, things are. Is it the best analogy he he had for me was if you see a, a little whirlpool in a river he's like the whirlpool is not a thing you can't grab the whirlpool and put it in a jar you know you can grab that water but the whirlpool is a is the expression of a pattern in the water and he's like that's what societies are that's what civilization is that's what you are as a person as your body your your you know even even your ego is just this process of things that you've that have been passing through your you know your awareness yourself i don't know you know whatever whatever's mm-hmm. beyond that stuff and it gets into patterns that we identify with we identify with the, whatever whirl, whirlpool that's been going on and it's like you know all these things we've been talking about have led me to this thing that says no we're you can change that whirlpool and the and, and it's the whirlpool was started by you it's not it, it was there was no it wasn't there before so it doesn't you don't have to hang on to it you know and again it goes back to that thing about changing stuff it's like you have to you have to believe that you can do it and the only way to believe that you can do it is to you have to do a little bit of it and realize like oh crap this stuff isn't real <laughs> you know like this I've been all hung up on not changing something that doesn't even really exist it only exists because it, I've just been doing it for so long you know it's like that's the only reality that it holds and it's like yeah and it's not permanent it's not concrete it's not tangible it's it's actually mostly the identity mostly comes from your mind what you give it you give it a solidity oh, oh, oh yeah, a thousand and, percent and that, 
and then one person can identify completely different. Like like you said, when you when people talk about you have this perception of Kent, and then they changed it, and now it's a different perception. But it's like that's your perception too, what you see it. And depending on your life circumstance or your thought patterns, you could look at it as a beautiful thing or as a horrible thing. And it's neither one or the other. It's like this is what this is what mind does. This is what it, it labels things, it categorizes things, and it, and it and it has thought patterns, and it's influenced by other people's thought patterns. And if you imagine it like a whirlpool, like and like your mind is kind of a, a little bit of a, a small wave in the sea of consciousness, and your mind is just a, a little ebb, a little a little whirlpool. And then like you know, other people, there's a million other whirlpools and waves in the ocean, and like how influenced yours is by other people and by culture and and you realize how like it's sometimes almost impossible to identify what thoughts came from you like or that you originated and that's that's a tough thing that's that's where a lot of this reprogramming the the format your hard drive of the psyche as you call it which i like very much it's like stop doing what you're doing to figure out like to kind of reboot your hard drive and and start coming up with their own original thoughts and the only way to tell how original if they're original is if they bring you joy like that's where that's how you know what where it's coming from what's truly you is that 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 feeling of joy and peace and happiness and love that you feel like that's resonance with your authentic self right i I totally agree man i mean and and the, the tricky thing there too is i think that there's a lot of systems in place and i'm not talking conspiracy theory i'm just talking like I'm talking just financially. <laughs> like it's, it financially benefits people for us to not do these some of these things. Like you're absolutely right. No, like, you are totally on. It's not. I'm not saying that it may even be conscious. It's just that, like, if you want to run a good advertising campaign, I had this thought the other day that I that self esteem is bad for the economy because. Like if people felt good, like like did what you said, realized and experienced their true self, and and found this joy and happiness from within, they wouldn't be buying a bunch. They wouldn't have this anxiety to go buy stuff. And I mean, I've talked. To, we've, I think we've talked nope. about the documentary, The Century of the Self, which is a huge where I get a lot of this stuff from. And and the, and the advertisers like freely admit that that's exactly what they're doing. So it's not like this is some crazy theory. This is like literally like their 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 game plans. But it's. You know, I was saying that earlier where I thought like it's people are afraid to do it. I'm I still am afraid to do it to some degree. Like I said, I still have some some apprehension. That's the word I've been looking for. Apprehension. I've been I've have apprehension about expressing some of this stuff publicly or or you know uh, I just I like having it associated with me. And it's like and like I said before, I'm pretty. I don't get hung up on that stuff a lot, and I can imagine how somebody who really is, who really identifies with who they are, how hard it would be for them to do some of those things that you just mentioned. You know, I mean, it's that that's something where I don't even know if I don't even know if some people are aware that that's even possible. You know what I mean? Let alone actually experience it and do it. I don't even know if they're aware that that's an option that's available to them. You know, what I mean, I, I don't yeah. even know if I was aware of that five years ago. Ten, you know. Definitely not ten years ago, but it's been a very recent. Um, you know, and it, the big thing for me was that I had, you know, going back to the depression thing, is I really had nowhere else to turn. I had to do something different, and I didn't know. I was I was finally willing to be an idiot. I was like, or be ridiculous. I was like, I don't. 
I, I, I can't not try those things because I, I, I told my brother, we, we talked about this and yeah, he was super supportive all through all, you know, he's always been that way, but I mean, yeah, he, he couldn't help too much cause he never really went through any of it, but he was really helpful at least just for moral support. But you know, he, he told me, he's like, he's like, dude, you got to go to the doctor and get medication for this. You know, he, he's like, you can't go through this like this anymore. And I told him, I go, you're, I said, you're a hundred percent right. I said, I, at that point in time, I, I was looking into doing that. And I go, you know what? I have never really tried to change. I didn't really try to meditate. I didn't really try to exercise and get walks in. And I didn't really try to change who I was. What I really wanted to do was to have the old me, which I really believe now was my ego clinging to its, its, its existence. But I wanted that old me, and then I just wanted to be able to fix it. I didn't want to have to to, to break it down and rebuild it or, or t- totally demolish it and get a new one. I didn't that, – that stuff was all super scary to me. And I, when, when, my, when I did make the uh, – I promised my brother, I go, you're right. I, I, will, I said if I, I got three months of doing this stuff, and I'm going to really do it this time. And if it doesn't go, I promise you, I will go to the doctor, you know, and, and get get medication. I just didn't want to, medication was just, I just didn't want that at all. But uh, yeah, that's what sucks, though. Like, you know, it's to, like you said, self esteem is bad for the economy. Um, like, keep keep everyone at a low level of unease, so you can yeah. sell products that soothe the unease and perpetuate yep. the cycle. It's so obvious when when you see it. I mean, I think a lot of people are aware of it and they participate anyway. I mean, I still, I'm aware of it and I still feel unease and then I go to Starbucks and get a coffee and feel better. Like, I, I do that. I participate in that, even though I'm aware. But I think that's the key too is, I mean, being aware and then I'm saying, okay, I'm going to make a conscious choice to participate in it. I mean, it's not like this is happening to us because we as humanity are the ones who created this system anyway. I mean, like, we, we built it. We grew up in the advertising industry, right? And then we we get jobs in the advertising industry, especially you and me as artists and designers and creatives. Like, we create ads. We come, and, and me, as a business owner, I'm creating my own products and then trying to sell them. And how do you sell them? Well, you have to... People need a, people need a, a problem that you're trying to solve. Right. If, if people didn't have problems... There'd be no way to make money. And, and okay, money is a whole other topic, of course. Whether, you know, money, this construct of slavery, right? Okay, that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but it just reminds me of, like, you know, it's just the, the, the that's what they call the matrix. Right. No, yeah, exactly. That's, that's it. Right. No, it totally is. I mean, and it's not like, yeah, I, I, I what you, I'm, I'm as guilty as, is you i mean i you know you know consumerism and, and stuff i you almost can't you can't avoid it to some degree but i'm guilty of going yeah i'm gonna buy this or i'm gonna treat myself to that here and there but i think when it, one of the things that you mentioned was just being aware of it i think that's a huge factor is that you can start minimizing the impact or at least it's the like i remember back uh it's actually my first year in business for myself i was doing a lot of design work back then and i had a I actually had a ton of work built up, you know, for the momentum to quit the job that I had at the time. And uh, I was working my ass off, and I, but I made the most amount of money that I've ever made. Work, I mean, I, it's the most amount of money I've ever made, period. So, and, you know, hmm. f- for a year. 
which was you know kind of kooky for my first year in business. But uh, <laughs> what a great start! You're like, it's been yeah, all downhill from there. Yeah, it has. <laughs> it has. It's been downhill and uphill at the same time. But well, I tell you what, it's yeah. actually been up, uphill, even though it's been less month or downhill or. Well, what's the right word? Downhill? Yeah. Well, do, do, <laughs> one of those. You don't kind of pedal going downhill, so it's it's almost a positive. But uh, uh, hey, that's a good way of thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. Well, I'm trying to think of like what's what's positive about going uphill. But uh, um, you're making it to the top. The <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Right. But uh, you know, I, but I, I look. I remember that year. I uh, now, granted, it was awesome because I was able to to get out of you know some serious, not super serious, but enough debt that was like a serious burden on my brain and take care of a lot of other you know financial things at the time and have a little bit of money left over it was like the first time in my life that you know i had a good chunk of money left over and i bought some stuff i bought some frivolous crap and i remember the experience like months later going i'm not happy i'm not any happier man and i was like you know, because that year I think I tripled my income. You know, which is an inter- that's a whole other interesting. We'll talk about that later. But that had to do with uh, daily goal writing, I think, uh, at the time. But uh, wow. yeah, I started I started that practice up again this year um, because I was like, yeah, why did I stop doing that? That's what got me into. <laughs> that's what led me down this path in the first place. It's almost like you you do things long enough for them to work, and then you quit doing them once you get what, what you think you want out of it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I realized I was like I, I, like I said looking back I know I was going through some depression back then or at least had some questions about you know life and what, what's important and what, what means the most out of you know how you spend your time and your and everything and what you do and and I look back and I go yeah I got money but I'm like that's not that doesn't I, I'm not satisfied and I, I kind of lost my my drive to be uh, you know. To, for that to, to go to head in that direction, you know, what I mean, I, it's not like I didn't want my business to be successful and to to be able to make money as an as an artist or whatever. But I, I lost that desire to like be rich from it, you know. Which I guess is probably a good, <laughs> good way to to approach that stuff because you're not being rich is tough doing this stuff. But uh, but I, I really did lose the interest in it. I'm like, money is not the solution, and I don't. I'm like, yeah, you got to have some of it, and it's not it's a necessary evil, but it's definitely not like the solution for your soul for for sure you know i knew i figured that out a long time ago so it was like yeah need money i'm gonna do what i got to but i was like i don't i don't need a lot you know what i mean i learned how to live uh, you know you talked about like the zen habits earlier at the outset but uh i've always been into that stuff man living simply and and minimalist and stuff and try to you know just how can i do with the, the least amount that i to get you know not just to get by but like it's more about uh, we, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but the Stoic philosophers. Have we ever talked about this before? Uh, I think we may have talked about it on our hike. Yeah, I think we touched upon it a little bit. But those guys, like when I stumbled across them, I was like, my uh, uh, buddy of mine turned me, turned me on to them, but I was like, oh wow, this is like I've been doing this without realizing it. You know, and they had some other things that I wasn't doing, but I mean, the basic gist was. You know this idea of like appreciating what you have, like that's one of their their tenets or their their I don't know mantras or whatever you want to call it. But their the idea is like like really desire what you already have. You know, like 
don't want these things you don't have. Want what you ha- want, 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 want what you have, and really appreciate that stuff. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's an interesting approach because we have, you know, like you said, we live in a, you know, earlier we live in America, man. And we have even the people that are the worst off. Not, well, I shouldn't say that, but even the people like that think they're 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 not doing so well. It's like, dude, you're so much like. Your life is so blessed and, and enriched compared to what other some other people have, at least on a material level. You know, what I mean, on the day to day, you know, how you're living your life. We have so you're almost yeah. guaranteed to have a refrigerator and 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 a, and a furnace in your house. And you know, the winter kicked in you know the other day, and we got snow here. It's like you know, you, you, it's easy to not appreciate to uh, to be appreciative of the fact that you, your house is warm. You know, but. That's something that's not everybody has the luxury of. And it is well, a luxury. That's what's so funny about human nature, like in the hedonic treadmill. Like you always adjust to a new baseline of what you have, and you always have a desire for more. And I think that desire is is part of our DNA. It's part of our soul's reason for being here on this planet. It's always a desire for expansion. I mean, that's how evolution works. Is you know, consciousness is continuously expanding. There's always it's always evolving into something else and so but like i think at a base level you need to have the base survival stuff in order to to make it here so it's like once you have that taken care of then you start worrying about all sorts of first world problems you know and those are like it's just a lot of stupid stuff or whatever but like that's why it's hard to appreciate the fact that you have heat because well for one you never really experience life without heat and and i think each person like okay you're born in the states you're born with a lot of privilege but you didn't choose that like on a on a physical reality level your soul may have chose that to incarnate into the circumstance to learn and experience and, and evolve in a certain way um that only this experience of george coghill today could actually offer right like i'm experiencing my own type of suffering and depression it's not the same type of suffering and depression from a third world country but if you if you um, if you know anything about past lives or getting anything like that, your soul has chosen to experience all sorts of different types of things in life. So it's like at this point in my in the evolution of my soul, it needs to experience something like this, which I think is a massive spiritual awakening, a, a consciousness expansion, knowledge, and you know, and 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 also ultimately helping others and creating, being a being a creator. I think is is something too. Once you evolve past survival stuff, survival worries, you start making stuff. You make, you express yourself, and that's like soul expression, in my opinion. And and so it's easy to not appreciate. And that's the, the ironic thing is that is how you that is how you manifest joy and peace is by being grat being grateful and practicing gratitude. There's a reason why all these self help gurus tell you to practice gratitude have a gratitude journal every day i'm thankful well, for my family you know they said that scientifically they've said that that is the one thing they can guarantee to make you happier is to keep the gratitude i started doing that one too yeah and they, they said that, that there's there's actually scientific proof behind it they're like by paying attention to the because i'll tell you what what you learn it's like, it's like uh you read the read the book the artist way have you read that no, I never read that. Yeah, t- take a look. It's an old like self-help, personal development thing, but it's geared towards artists. I got that uh, year, years ago from I don't remember. I think a girlfriend of mine gave it to, that to me at the time. But hmm. um, but one of the things she had in there was called the daily pages, and what she told you to do is to write down. Uh, basically, you fill one written sheet. This is pre-computers. 
uh, you know, one written sheet of a notebook front and back. And that was the idea of like every day you write down and it didn't matter what you wrote. You just write. It was like a journaling thing. And the first thing you learn by doing this is that you, you think you're, you're thinking about so – when you think you're thinking about a problem or a topic or an idea or whatever, you think like, oh, I've been thinking about it and thinking about it. And then when you sit down and write it down, it's like two sentences worth of thoughts and you're like, yeah, I've just been rearranging that one thought in a bunch of different ways. But I haven't really been thinking in depth about this at all. And when you force yourself to write a whole page, you know, a whole two sides of a page – you actually that's you get past that you get past that superficial uh, understanding of of that idea and it, it can really help you open up some ideas and and thought processes on on whatever's you know it's almost a, it almost is a meditation to some degree you know calming of the mind but uh, or a focusing of it i guess but the, the gratitude journal to me when well, now that i've been doing that for a while is the same thing is because you know at first it's like oh i'm grateful for all these you know you pick some grandiose the big ones you know but then you're like i'm you run out of stuff to be grateful for really quickly you know like the big stuff like mm-hmm. uh, you know things that are obvious when i say big i mean obvious like things that are on the surface or super superficial things but you start like going like man i'm just grateful that i have like a functioning body you know that my that everything I, you know that my body is operating properly because there's people who don't have that they were born without arms or they get older you know my mom's going through she's got some some parkinson's you know which is very low level for her right now thankfully but you know the people who have that can lose complete control of their 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 body you know what i mean and it's like you don't realize that you know small things like that we have you know like even last night it was cold out i one of the things i wrote in the gratitude list was uh you know, I'm just thankful that I have a I have a, a warm place to sleep. You know, and we don't think about things like that. And I think by doing the gratitude journal, it, it, it is in a sense a way of uh, focusing the mind, like a meditation might do, where you clear out this other stuff that you've been thinking of superficially, and really start over time get to a point where you're really thinking about these things on a level where it's like you're again. It goes back to the Stoics where you're appreciating these things that you're taking for granted these things you already have like and that's that's that comes back to that happiness thing where it's like i read this uh, interesting quote where they said uh this guy said i forget who it was but he said happy it was it was some you know big meditation dude or whatever but he said happy happiness isn't a thing you you what you achieve it's getting rid of all the stuff that you've accumulated that's in the way of the happiness that you already have and i really think that part of that is is this idea of that you, you don't appreciate these things you already have it's like you, you ha- it's right there it's like it's right it's with you already you've just blocked it off because you're like ah that's not good enough or like you said the hedonic treadmills that's a great one like if, if people aren't aware of that thing man that's you know that's the that's a huge concept to to absorb into your your awareness but it's like that's a big one is it's it's all this you know i made a joke to this guy that uh, or who was i talking to but we i don't know how it is up in in lakewood where you're at but around here man because there's so much space you know it's a little more rural around here yeah every little community has they build a strip mall and then the strip mall gets built the community spreads, and then they have to build another strip mall down the street, and the old one gets abandoned. And then what you eventually see is they build um, storage you know, storage unit facilities. So I'm like, people are so messed up that they, uh, they, they've been taught to buy so much crap that they, <laughs> it has to be closer and closer to them. And then they have nowhere to put it because they're buying so much of it that they have to – they have to buy an apartment for their. It's almost like this this mistress, you know. They they have to buy this apartment that is like the you know the, the Goodfellas where they gotta keep their 
your uh, illicit uh, relationship secret and, and put her off in this thing. You know, it's just so so bizarre. I'm like, why don't they they should turn those old strip uh, strip mall stores into storage units so you can buy a, store all the stuff you didn't need that you bought and have nowhere to put. But uh, I, I really think that yeah. all that stuff's a re- result of people not appreciating what what they already have. You know, like you you don't need the new whatever. You don't need another whatever. You have you you have you have you're the stuff you have isn't making you happy. That stuff isn't going to do it either. Like it's just they but they've got us trained to believe that it will somehow. And it's and, like, and I think I think people like have heard. That they're not, they're supposed to be appreciative of what they have, and I heard that many times before it actually made sense to me. It didn't make sense to me until now, until recently, until I had to go through depression. It's so fucked up how it works like that. Um, you take it for granted until you don't anymore, well, and it's like. It's yeah. just weird that, how, how it works like that. Well, that and that may be, you know, like I said at the outset, where I'm, I'm like, the, you know, depression might have been the, one of the best things that has ever happened to me, even though it was a lot, one of the worst things too. But I think it does help you refocus. Because, like, I'll tell you what I am grateful for is being happy. You like you take being happy for granted when you don't have depression. Like I, I, I was talking to a to a girl at the at a party at my at my aunt and uncle's house recently, and. Uh, she what did she do she she was on stake she was not depressed but they gave her medication for something and it might have been antidepressants but it was for something else and i can't remember what the whole situation was but it made her depressed so she had no idea what was going on and i was like i want to know what that what that medication was because i really feel that everybody should go through depression because a you have no idea what those people what people that are when people say they're depressed you have no idea what they're going through if you haven't gone through it it's not what they what you think it is, and B, if you go through that, you have the, such deeper empathy for the people that do go through it, and for people that go through anything else that you have no direct experience with. But I'm like, man, if you could give people that stuff, it would make them appreciative of like, holy shit, I didn't know that the world. I I don't know it could be that bad for no reason. You know, that was what we you know we, we both touched on that we really didn't have a reason for it being that for the for this this horrifying experience. Which is makes it even more scary. But if if you can really experience that directly and then get rid of it, you know, just it's like a pill that you know it's like the ap- opposite of a drug, or I guess it's still a drug, but you know, it's not mm-hmm. a, it's not like nobody would take it because there's no immediate reward. <laughs> it's like it's like take this this like depression pill. It's so funny because they it's like that's a that's an extreme level of unease, but like the public is really malleable at a at a low level unease. One that's just above the depression line, you know. One that's just because if they hit rock bottom, that's the that's the a big wake up call to to change their life, you know. And and okay, there's like the we. I mean, I think we should be wrapping this up soon. But like, there's the whole like just religions, man. They just cater to like everyone's. That, well, they they act as a savior as part of the insecurity. Like, man, you can't, oh, all all of wait, all wait, of wait. capitalism don't get you down. Well, here, join the church. You, you can't, you can't say we got to wrap this up and then bring up religion. That's like the <laughs> <laughs> we got to leave it on a cliffhanger, right? Yeah, right. Well, that, that's that's a, that's a whole. Big well, okay, so we'll okay. There's religion. That's a whole another subject that we're going to get into on this podcast. And you and I also want to get into like we talk about gratitude more. Like, how does it work? Why does it work? And and how does like that tie into like the law of attraction? Was it which is another thing that a lot of the stuff I read, different stuff, 
ends up rewording law of attraction in so many different ways. Basically, your thoughts create your reality. You get what you think, you know, like your circumstances start to create the life that you... I mean, every thought that you have is a creative thought, whether it's good or bad. If you're if you're in a downward negative spiral, you create a downward negative life experience. And if you have a positive thoughts on a regular basis, you create more positive life. I mean, just circumstances. You can create good luck and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think we would we can have episodes where we get you know detailed into the hows and the whys and our experiences with that and stuff too. So, yeah, I agree. But man, it, what a what a first episode, George. Yeah, it was a really it was an awesome conversation, man. It's an eye opener. I mean, I know that you and I can really get into it, and that's why I wanted to bring you on the show. And I think it's a it's going to breathe some fresh life into the show. I mean, I just think it's awesome to share my journey with someone with and, and hear your journey, and it's just going to be so much fun. So I think for the listener out there. Um, you know, George and I plan to do this monthly, um, but we might end up recording. I don't know. We could end up doing it every two weeks or something like that. But well, the truth is, we're going to release a, a season of ten episodes. I've already got the shows listed out that we're going to do. But um, yeah, this is a great first first episode of the season. It's about. It kind of sets the tone. Personal development, self improvement, exploration, awakening, consciousness. You know. We're going to we're going to go down all these rabbit holes. Yeah, I mean that's that's what's the uh, what's the crazy thing about that? Well, it's a, I don't like to use the word crazy, but uh, like you said, it's 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 interesting how you go. Uh, these topics start. I don't know. They lead you down different different paths and being open to like trying trying different stuff like this out. Mm-hmm. Stuff like this out is 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 very eye opening, and it's uh, like you said, you know, earlier. You went down some paths you didn't expect, and so did I. You know, I'm tr- trying some things out that I'm like, you know what? I'm just kind of curious to see uh, where it leads, and uh, you know, I, I'm. It's it's cool to talk to you about this stuff too, and this podcast will be a good, hopefully a good uh, venue for both of us because, like, uh, you know, like I said at the outset, I'm glad you invited me to do this. Uh, it's been something that was kind of in the back of my brain for a while. Like, I almost felt like. Like I, I wanted a pot. Like, I, I mean, it actually kind of bums me out that we have to do this because we can't listen to it. You know what I mean? Like, I want, I wanted a podcast like this to listen to myself. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, I can't, I can't listen to my own voice on recording, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know, maybe, I know. Maybe that's my next uh, uh, direct experience thing. Right, I gotta get, I gotta overcome the anxiety of listening to my own voice, but. Uh, Seriously, see, this is this is how it starts, man. Like when you start doing this for the listeners out there, when you start doing this, like you're going to approach your life, like if you're not already. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already thinking about this in some way. But I mean, yeah, it, life becomes really interesting and fun when you can play it like an instrument, and I think that's pretty awesome. Well, that's a good way to put it because what you're doing is jamming, and and, and I, I forget what uh, who said this or where it comes from, but the the idea was a. Uh, uh, Outcome independence is like kind of like the, the the phrase that I like to go back to, where it's like if you can. And I was never like this before. I was always so. And we'll, we'll get into this when we talk about perfectionism and procrastination and stuff. But you know, I was always so worked up and trying to control the outcome of, of things, and I'm I'm letting go of a lot of that stuff. A lot. I'm a lot better at it at least than I used to be, and and that's a big factor in all that stuff. Trying new things, being willing to change, but you know, really being a little being okay, you know, with 
failing and trying stuff and having to not work out, but not being so tied up with, you know, like this podcast itself is, is that, you know, I didn't know what we were going to talk about really. I mean, I know myself and I'm like, I'm going to go off on some tangents and I'm going to talk too long and, you know, who knows what we're going to get to. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we've touched on some really interesting stuff here. I'm at a good time. All right, cool. So, well, you can find us on iTunes, give us a rating, write us a review, feel like i gotta say that because every other podcast i listen to says that right but honestly i don't even really care because this is fun as it is i don't care if anyone listens to this one person listens to this awesome maybe share it with a buddy well or a friend of yours the, the big thing for the reviews is mostly <laughs> that other people will give it a chance so if you like it it's not it doesn't do us any you know I'm, I'm with you on the same boat we're doing this for ourselves but it gives other people a reason to give it a try so if you think you got something out of it a review costs you nothing and it all it does is helps other listeners it doesn't really do us you know what, what are we going to get out of it yeah we i mean that makes that's that makes perfect sense and so but you can find me on twitter at jeff underscore finley and the blog makermistaker.com you can find george where can they find you well, you can find me on Twitter at G Coghill. I don't really post much online anymore, but I, I still post some stuff here and there. Um, but you can get my blog, which is uh, georgecoghill.wordpress.com. Um, and you can find links to my artwork and stuff on there, too, but that's not really what this podcast is about. But if you go to georgecoghill.com, there's some artwork there, and, and you can find everything else from those websites. So, All right. Awesome, George. Well, thanks again. Have a good night. And um, listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Maker Mistaker podcast. And I will see you next time.